0: Welcome to Conversations, a podcast featuring conversations about life, theology, scripture, church, and everything in between. Hosted by Genesis Church in Mexico, Missouri. Find out more at www.genesisbegins.com.
1: All right, welcome to another Conversations podcast. And Uh, we are sort of in the middle of a five-part series, and we've been looking at uh, the purposes of the church. Uh, uh, If you're familiar with Rick Warren, he made it, he didn't create it, but he made it popular there for a while on the five purposes of the church, and so when most people think of a purpose-driven church, you know. They think of Rick Warren or purpose-driven life, you know, and it's all wrapped around the five purposes. But, uh, but they are biblical, and uh, they they've been there since day one of the church. And uh, and uh, today we will be talking about evangelism. But before we do that, um, if this is your first time on our podcast, and you just come across it, or you listen to it on Facebook or something. Um, if you'll go to every how you listen to uh, a podcast like Spotify. So I'm on my phone right now. I'm looking at it. And uh, if you type in conversations with Genesis Church, um, it'll bring it up. And then you can hit follow, and then it'll let you know when we have something new. And uh, the last episode was on discipleship. And Ben Schnipper and I, we talked about what is a disciple, what is discipleship, and then we specifically spent the majority of the time on what a discipleship group is uh, versus, say, a life group or a cell group, small group, home group, and, um, uh, and how to be intentional about making disciples. So uh, I'd encourage you to check that out. Uh, the one before that was on worship, and Chris Creech and I, we talked about what is worship, Uh, what is the difference between personal worship versus a corporate worship, like worship with other believers and, um, and why both are important and how they impact one another. And then we also, uh, it's with the last 15 minutes, I just interviewed Chris, he's our worship leader. And I just said, Hey, Chris, pull back the curtain of, uh, the, the curtain of ministry and get us into behind the scenes stuff. How do you choose songs? Why do you choose them? And talk about the logistics, you know, what's going through a worship leader's mind when they're thinking about the Sunday morning corporate worship, at least on their end. And so, uh, that was, I thought that was interesting. And most people don't get to have that kind of conversation with their worship leader, but with Chris, uh, he opened up and talked about that and a couple of more, uh, if you just scrolling down, I mean, I, I don't know how many there are. There's a ton of them here, but some of the latest ones, uh, one that has seemed to grab a lot of people's attention. Matter of fact, it's our number one uh, listen to podcast, and it's on dealing with your past. And uh, Kate Shaw and I, we talked about, um, obviously, as a Christian, how do you deal with the stuff that you did years ago that you still are struggling with guilt or shame or you're embarrassed about? And we also talked about how to deal with stuff that people did to you um, years ago that for whatever reason you, you may feel guilty about for what they did, you know, or you may have some anger or bitterness towards them. So we talked about what the Bible has to say about that and how to process that. Um, and there's a bunch of other stuff there that you can just scroll through. We just talk about everything and, uh, stuff that we think is helpful for you. All right. So today uh, I have with me, uh, Preston Thompson and he is the director of missions, for the uh, Heart of Missouri Baptist Association and um, in our area that covers a wide area. So uh, so Preston, before we get into evangelism, for those who are listening and they're saying, I have no idea what a director of missions is, which we lovingly refer to him as our D-O-M, okay? So uh, what uh, what do you do? What, what is a DOM?
0: I think that's the question that most people ask. That's the question that I think DOMs ask also. (laughs) Um, A a couple of different ways to look at this um, position is a pastor to pastors, but then also a missionary to our area. So our churches are spread out really across three associate, uh, three counties, and we have nearly 60 churches in that. And so we network together to do do things more than what we could do individually. And so some of that is accountability to each other, to pastors, to churches, bringing training, uh, helping churches that are struggling, planting churches. So kind of a, a broad spectrum of, of what we do. And I, I guess help lead that. Um, if you're looking at it from a different, um, a different, different religions that are out there, Uh, Some people say I'm like a bishop, but I have no authority over anything. I have no, no, I can't say to a church, hey, you need to do this. And they automatically do that. I just come alongside. The best analogy that I have is it's like getting a car out of, out of the mud, out of the snow. Sometimes I'm pulling from the front. Sometimes I'm pushing from the back. That's what I do.
1: Nice. Well, here's the deal. At the next associational meeting, I'm going to bring up that we change your title to bishop.
0: <laughs> uh, many people have, yeah. Bishop. There's another, yeah. <laughs> there's another name out there. It's called Associational Missional Strategist (AMS).
1: Can we just get yeah. one word? I mean, just. There's a reason why Director of Missions has been shortened down to DOM, okay? Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Can we yeah. just shrink? Okay. All right. So uh, the reason why I asked that is because I wanted the listeners to uh, understand your scope uh, and where you're coming from. And the reason why I asked Preston to join me today is because uh, he does have a unique perspective on evangelism, especially when it comes to the uh, church level, because he's 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 connected with, you know, at least in our association, uh, what'd you say, 60 something churches? And yeah, so, 60, yep. Yeah, 60 churches. So uh, and they range from different sizes, different styles, different contexts. I mean, uh, I mean, you got city church, country church, you know, you got vibrant churches, dying churches, and all in between. And uh, um, and so And then he's networked with other organizations that, you know, just kind of keep him uh, abreast of stuff that's going on. And so I've invited him in on this conversation uh, to help just us understand as Christians what it looks like, what evangelism looks like, outreach, maybe missions, that kind of stuff, but on a personal level and on that church level. So, all right, so we're going to dive into some basic stuff first, and then we'll kind of get into nuts and bolts here in a little bit. All right, so I'm going to ask the obvious question, or the 101 question. You know, uh, why is reaching people for Christ important? And the reason why I ask that is because uh, there does seem to be a struggle with Christians individually and churches on making this a priority. And we're going to we'll get into the reasons why it doesn't seem to work all the time for some church or it's not a priority. We'll get to that later, but let's talk about why is reaching people for Christ and is important. And I'm going to let you go first. I mean, I, I've got some stuff to say cause I'm a pastor. I got the gift of gab. So, uh, go for it, man. Answer that question.
0: Yeah. So to, to put it simply, if you're a believer, someone reached you. And so we gotta, <laughs> we gotta continue that. Um, you know, as you were talking, something that came to my mind, I understand I've got about 20 years of youth ministry experience. And something we say all the time is, um, you know, evangelism or or reaching people, it's not about the get out of hell free card. And I think that's where we struggle sometimes. It's like, hey, I'm saved. I, I have a relationship with God. And so I'm good. I don't need to continue that. But the reality is, someone reached you, someone saw that you needed Jesus. They told you the, the good news, the gospel, and and you accepted, you, you surrendered your life. But how many other people around you need for you to tell them your story?
1: Yeah, you know, uh, so for me personally, I had more than one person that God used, you know. Uh, but some of the key players was my grandparents. Mm. And... Um, and it wasn't that they would say, "Jail, sit down. I want to tell you about the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, he'll <laughs> save you from your sin. It wasn't like that at all. And it was very organic and natural. And it was by example, you know, they would invite us to church. And I mean, I, mean, I don't want to get in my story because it'll take too long. But, uh, but it's amazing to me how evangelistic they were. And when I look back, it's like they weren't even trying, you know, mm-hmm. it's just kind yeah. of who they were. And it had become part of their spiritual DNA, you know, uh, in how they approach life. And, um, um, but you know, for, okay. So for me personally, as I thought through this, um, you know, not only like pressing what you said that, Hey, somebody reached me. I mean, that's how it works, you know, and that's, yeah. that's why it should be important. Uh, but I do think that we have to understand that it is a continuation you know, of Ooh. Jesus's mission. I mean, this is not something we're creating. This is not something that we're inventing, you know, no, this is something Jesus said, okay, here's what I was doing. Now I want you to keep doing it. You know, if you're going to be like me, then you're going to be, a, be about my mission. And, you know, the whole great commission, you know, go and make disciples of all nations, you know, and in Matthew 28. So uh, it is a continuation of whatever he was doing. Uh, so, for you as an individual, if you're listening, for you as an individual, or if if you're from a church leadership perspective, when we're engaging and making disciples and reaching new people for Christ, uh, we're just doing and continuing what Jesus started. Uh, and by the way, you know He likes this, and 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 at the end of the Great Commission. <laughs> he says and be sure of this i am with you always even to the end of the age that is that's jesus way of saying look when you're doing this you're gonna find that my presence is with you because mm-hmm. you know he is much more passionate about reaching the loss than you are you know so i mean he loves it when his people get on board with his mission and get after it so um yeah what you got
0: yeah uh- I love that you brought up the great commission, because also at the beginning of that, you know, we we always start like, you know, go make disciples. But before that, uh, like the verse before it says, and some of them doubted. Oh yeah. And then Jesus says, well, I've given you all authority. Like all authority has been given to me. Now I'm giving it to you. And here's the great commission. But we sometimes we forget that there were still disciples who were doubting. They saw Jesus die. They saw him rise again. He's about to go to heaven and they're still doubting. And I think that's when it comes to evangelism, I think that's where we still struggle. It's like, we, we know what God's done with us, but am I really living that out? Like, am I really going to take him at his word? And if he's going to be with me always salvation's not dependent upon us. We're just supposed to be obedient to tell others. And I think that's where we get, we struggle sometimes with that, that, telling other people is just us being obedient. Like you said, we're, we're the next link in the chain, right? But their salvation is not dependent upon us. And so, but we're just supposed to be obedient to say, Hey, I got some good news. Can I tell it to you? I got a story. Can I tell you my story?
1: And, you know? Okay. So that statement about uh, the whole doubting thing, you know, there were some that mm-hmm. doubted. Um, okay. I lo- One of the reasons why I love the Bible is because it just, it doesn't hide anything.
0: No.
1: I mean, man, it, you know, the disciples were just nuts. I mean, they were, you know, okay. So at the church I passed, we're going through the book of Mark and I knew the disciples were messed up, but until I started going through the details of it, like I am with gospel Mark, I, I am seeing them more and more messed up. Mm-hmm. And if I'm Jesus, I would have left them. And <laughs> and picked other guys at at the we're in Mark chapter ten. I would have by then. I was said, okay, I'm done with you guys. I got to start over with another group because you guys are losers. <laughs>
0: so. Yeah, I was telling I was telling my life group the other day about about Peter. I said, you know, Peter would open his mouth just long enough to take one foot out and put the other
1: one in.
0: <laughs> Absolutely, you know? they they were knuckleheads. They were. I mean, man, but that gives us hope because man, we're, we're like chief among (laughs) knuckleheads. Like we're, yeah.
1: I I tell my church that all the time, you know, when we, when they do something stupid, Hey guys, look, you don't have to be perfect. And Mm -hmm. and Jesus is not going to leave you. He's not going to abandon you just because, Oh man, you didn't believe the right thing. You didn't say the right thing. You failed or whatever. But anyway, so even with that, in our mission here, I mean, uh, reaching that, that's going to be true. I mean, we're going to, you know, we're going to, fail. We're going to walk away from a conversation thinking, man, why didn't I seize that opportunity? Or I didn't do a good job or maybe I confused the person or, you know, what's wrong with me? You know, why am I so afraid or whatever, you know? But, yeah. uh, anyway, there's, there's a lot of reasons why, I mean, when you take a look at the Bible, uh, reaching people for Christ is important when it comes to evangelism outreach. Uh, I mean, obviously the Bible talks about, you know, reaching people for Christ is a wonderful privilege. You know, we're ambassadors for Christ. We represent God, you know. And uh, there are there's this eternal significance to it. I mean, we're talking about heaven and hell here, and uh we're talking about giving meaning to your life. Um okay, so in Acts chapter 20 verse 24, Paul says this. He says, "My life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus, the work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. Okay. So I want to tell you, that is a paradigm shift for him, for Paul, but it's also a paradigm shift for all of us. I mean, Hmm. somewhere in our spiritual growth, we shift from all about me to all about others. And, um, and there is a reason why Jesus said to follow him, you are going to have to die to yourself on a daily basis, because that mm-hmm. self does not want to die. And, mm-hmm. uh, <clears throat> but once you get on to the mission of Christ, uh, and reaching people and making disciples, uh, now you, you step into, uh, an arena that, get, that, you're thinking, Hey, you know, my life is actually bigger than my life because you're the, because the mission you're part of is bigger than your life. Um,
0: yeah. Yeah. You, you were talking about, you know, following him. He said that, take up your cross daily. And and that was a, that was a word picture because for them in their culture, they would see people carrying their cross to the Hill to die. You know, they went through the public. And so, Jesus is saying, listen, you're, you're, following me has to be in the public eye as well. It can't be just this, you know, in the private, you can't just hold up and say, Hey, yeah, I'm good, but it has to be done in the, in the public. Uh, last Sunday, I preached on uh, John 13, 34 to 35, that love one another. And by this, you will show the world that you are my disciples. By how you love one another and it's i think we forget that our relationship with god yes it saves us but then again we are to live that out in the public so that others see us in a way that says you have something different you there's something about you there's a transformation and and i want that like they're so drawn to jesus because of what we are doing not because we're trying to do it but god is just pouring out of us and it comes back to that, that personal relationship. We, we like Jesus as savior, but is he Lord of our life as well?
1: Well, you know, okay. So Jesus saves us, but he also sends us, you know, absolutely. and, and the thing that I think some believers struggle with is that they don't understand that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now if they grow, they eventually will. And I don't think every believer understands that when they're first saved. Uh, but, uh, but at some point there is this shift in why we our understanding of why we exist. And part of the reason why Jesus saves us is, an, is to send us. He sends us out. And, and we can get into that sending later, but it can take a lot of different forms. And mm-hmm. um, but definitely in this aspect of outreach, we're gonna have we're going to, okay. As Christians, I'm just going to assume that, you know, you want to reach people for Christ. Obviously, if you're listening to this podcast, there's some interest and if you've made it this far, you're already into it about 15 minutes. And (laughs) so, um, uh, you're, you're still hanging in there. And, um, uh, And so there's always an interest for you if you're listening to this point. But again, there are some Christians who just don't seem to make that shift. So, all right, let's talk a little bit about individual um, evangelism. Yeah. Okay. So for me, okay, I got to say, okay, I wasn't raised in a Christian family. We didn't go to church a whole lot. You know, if we we went, uh, you know, it was, you know, the major days, Christmas, you know, Easter maybe mother's day for grandmother okay yeah it wasn't mother's day for mama it was mother's day for grandma that's why we went because she wanted her old family to pack a pew you know that kind of thing back in the yeah so um uh and that's we we would go and it was a little country church and uh okay so somewhere in all that process my mom got saved and then after that i got saved and so um and didn't really start growing until a few years later after I was saved. And, uh, and, but when I started growing, man, I just started, it was like, I was a sponge and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Became very aware of the people around me and concerned about them spiritually and wanting to share the gospel with those in my life at that time. And, uh, not knowing how to do it, you know, and I wasn't trained to do it. I just, you know, I was reading the Bible and it was like, you know, I, I, I didn't even understand how to interpret the Bible. I mean, I was just, you know, just, I was terrible, but I had, I had the hunger. I had the passion. I was thirsty for it. And, you know, I was growing and I would eventually get there. All right. So, all right. So if a person is sitting and listening to this or driving listening and they're thinking, okay, yeah, that's me. How can I start growing on how to reach new people, share the gospel, whatever it is that Jesus is talking about, what are some things that you would recommend for them to say, okay, here's some stuff that will help you become evangelistic more
0: outreach oriented, more
1: mission-minded?
0: First of all, find the person that you, you say, I want to be like them. Mm. And go ask them. Say, "Hey, can I go with you? Can you model this for me? Um, and and just be that sponge and see how they do it." And I think what we've lost in the church is this apprenticeship um, type mentality of, "Hey, yeah, I'll take someone along with me. I'll do it. You watch. We'll talk about it afterwards. And eventually, after a few times, then we'll we'll both do it together. And then." We're going to move into, you're going to do it, and I'm going to watch. To the point where they can go do it on the, themselves, and then we send them out, like you said. But I think that's something we we try to give them a bunch of tools and programs and processes. And what we did was just fill them up with a bunch of ideas in their head. And and they couldn't, couldn't do it. Okay, an illustration that just came to my mind is, I played college baseball, and when I got to to college, I got there on just pure talent, not a whole lot of skills. Uh, Everybody else that was there, they had a bunch of, um, you know, they'd play hundreds of games every year, and they went to camps and stuff. I'm just a guy from Podunk, Missouri, (laughs) you know. I go there. Well, when I get there, my coach begins to mess with my swing. And so when I go up to the plate, I'm thinking through all these different mechanics that he's trying to tell me. And by the time I try to, okay, this is what I need to do. The ball's already passed me into the catcher's mitt, and now I'm walking back to the dugout because I struck out. Where it came so natural before, now I'm trying to think through all these things. And the best thing to do, you talk to major league hitters and stuff like that, when they go to the plate, they already have a plan, but it's like they clear the mechanism. It's just the ball meeting the bat. And I think that's what we got to get back to is for all of us, why do we have that hungry, hunger? Who's that one person that we, we just have this desire to share the gospel with them? But who is it that can model it, that can help us along with it? So we're not just thrown out there to the lions and just saying, hey, you go figure it out. No, let's walk alongside each other
1: okay uh you have your baseball illustration i got mine and uh yeah um all right so talking about evangelism and being afraid to do it or whatever um all right so it's this is not college for this is third grade Mm -hmm. i played for mcdonald's and so uh first year i ever played baseball and um uh, and I was the biggest kid. I, when I say big, I was like a foot taller than everybody. I mean, okay, for those who don't know, um, I, by the time I was in sixth grade, I was six one. Okay. Ooh. Yeah. No. Yeah. Coaches loved me. And so, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, uh, but so I was a big kid. I mean, just a tall kid, big kid. I mean, just, you know, that whole thing. And so, but I quit growing in ninth grade. I hit six, four and quit growing. So I, uh, for those who don't know me, I'm not seven, two or anything like that. <laughs> so, uh, but the doctor did tell me, we did go to a doctor by the way. And he, he, uh, cause my mom was concerned. Cause I did have this uncle that was seven, two. And, uh, so when I was obviously bigger than other kids you know taller than other kids we went to the doctor to check me out make sure i didn't have that hormone thing going on where i'm just gonna be this you know and he said well you'll probably be about 6'10, 6'11, you know and i went okay uh but i, I actually i'm glad i didn't because you know i just mm-hmm. anyway 6 4 is a big enough hassle already all right so <laughs> anyway, all right so i'm in third grade and uh i'm learning how to play you know and uh and i would go up to the Uh, home plate you know and they would be throwing that ball and um and i wouldn't swing i just didn't know what to do i I couldn't tell if it was a a, is that a good ball or bad ball i just you know it's all new you know and uh never been to a batting cage none of that stuff i mean i mean i was learning how to play as i was playing outside of the few practices we had and so uh the coach pulled me off to the side during a game uh right before i went to bat he said jeff he said I want you to swing at the first three balls that come your way. Okay. I can, I can do that. (laughs) And he said, don't worry about where it is just swing, you know? Mm -hmm. And and he said, he said, if you make contact, he said, I'm telling you that ball is gone. (laughs) And I said, okay, whatever. And so I walked up, I'm again a third, I'm a third grader. I walk up there. Sure enough, you know, the ball's coming in. I swing, I miss. Um, and, but it was felt good. Hey, I swung, you know, Mm -hmm. and, um, but then, uh, the second ball came at me and I swung and bam, it was gone. So the first time I ever made contact with the ball, I got a triple and it was almost a home run. And, uh, so the coach was right, and, and and I say I tell that story simply to tell you how good I was in third grade. That's really why I told that story. <laughs> no, I tell that story because there are times where you just got to swing. Mm. You know, sometimes you just have to give it a shot, and uh, and not be concerned about missing the ball or or, or all the stuff that's going in your mind. And at some point, you're gonna have to say, "Okay, I'm swinging this. I'm swinging this bat." I'm going to share the gospel. I'm going to invite this person to church. I'm going to share my testimony, whatever it is. I'm going to start building this relationship. I've got to swing. I've got to get yeah. in. I've got to, i got to participate
0: here. So. Uh, yeah. So yeah. just kind of going along with that, you, you're never going to be good at it. If you only do it like once every year. Yeah. <laughs> like you got to get in there and just, it, it, It takes batting practice. It takes hitting a lot of balls. It (laughs) it, it takes repetition and not so that you're a robot, but just constantly doing it, thinking about it. Like we're reading the book, Gospel Fluency, and it's talking about that gospel language and and being immersed into it. And and that's where it's at. I mean, yeah, you need to go up there and start swinging. Try it out. Figure out what works, what doesn't work. You're going to fumble over it. You're going to get out. You're, you're not going to make sense, but you're still going to be doing it. And I think evangelism, that's what it is, is we get so programmed and this is the only way to do it when it's, it's a lot of life on life and listen to people's conversations and and saying, you know what? Yeah, God's been doing this in my life and and let him marry that together but it's so much of just going out there and doing it over and over and over again. But if you're sitting on the sidelines and you're like, Oh yeah, I could do that. And every once in a blue moon, you're, you get up to bat, you're probably going to strike out, but it's not about winning. (laughs) (laughs) It's not.
1: No. And and we, we are okay. From evangelists, we are simply the messenger. I mean, that's what we have to understand. The the pressure on saving people is not on us. Okay. That, that's God's put that on his shoulders, you know, as he's got to do the convicting. He's got to, you know, he's the one that's going to do the drawing and all that kind of stuff. And, the and he's really good at it.
0: And he's, he's really good at, good
1: it. at it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Why should and, we try? Yeah, so all, you know, all we have to do is share the message. I mean, he has given us really the most simplest part. <laughs> okay. I mean, you know, he, he, we're partners with God, in this reconciliation ministry, this gospel ministry. But uh, all right, so all right, now, okay, we're talking about individual practical learning how to do it. Now, uh, there's a lot of view, different views on what I'm about to share. Uh, and in my early days, the big thing back then uh, was things like, uh, and some of the old timers will know what I'm talking about, was this thing called evangelism explosion. And, uh, and then you had Billy Graham's four spiritual laws and then Billy Graham switched or no, four spiritual laws was a uh, crusade for Christ. And then uh, there's a little track and how to share the gospel. And then Billy Graham came along and his thing was the bridge illustration. So his little track mm-hmm. was always the bridge illustration. And, uh, and then, uh, for us who were in our denomination, it's the ABCs of salvation, you know, admit, believe, confess, you know, ABC. So you see it in all the publications. And, uh, uh, I think those are fine. Um, I think we have to have some kind of tools or something. Um, when we're sharing the gospel, I have used every one of them. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I have used my testimony. I have, uh, the Romans road. I forgot about that one. You know, I've used that one. Um, and, uh, and I've used just some of them making up as I go, you know, like, well, you know, the Bible says this in the Bible, and I'm just, whatever popped in my head, you know, about answering that person's question. And, uh, some people, you know, will lead people through a sinner's prayer and all this kind of stuff, you know, and some people say, just ask, they just say, leave it up to the individual. And, uh, what, uh, the reason why I'm saying all of this is because when you start looking at the Bible, there doesn't really seem to be this <laughs> formula. And there is a reason for it. So you don't have to get locked into some, I've got to do the Romans road, or I've got to, you know, do the wordless book or whatever, you know, form of a evangelism presentation that you're doing. So for you personally, before we get into the church world, um, I mean, when you're sharing the gospel, how does it normally come from you?
0: Yeah. It's normally in a conversation. Um, like, they'll say something and it just piques my interest. I'm hopefully, I'm going into it um, praying, you know, silently, just praying that God would allow me to have an opportunity to share the gospel and, and listening to what they're saying. And and I try to ask questions that they, they will tell their story, that they will tell where they're at, not yes or no questions, how they would answer it, but and then God will just drop those opportunities. Like they said this, well, let's go back to that. Let's, let's kind of begin to think about that. Um, and, and I want them to do a self-discovery. I want them to understand where they're at, why they need a savior. Why, what is sin? I mean, you talk to most people, like they have no earthly idea, but they can see brokenness in the world and start there. Um, so, it's honestly it's during conversations um if i go and try to have an idea like i'm going to lead them through these different things people see right through that you're not authentic and people are today want people that are real Uh, i think that's one of the problems in the church as well is that we're not real with with people um and so is jesus real man that's that's the most convincing and most authentic thing that draws people to you to share the gospel is, is God real in your life? So that's yeah. where I start. Yeah. See, I think
1: that as you grow, I mean, obviously you're going to have the scripture, you know, eventually in your mind that deal with the gospel and salvation. And so, uh, and if you have a growing deepening relationship with Jesus, it's easy to brag on somebody you really love. Mm-hmm. I mean, it really is. Yeah. You know, so uh, in my early days, I relied heavy on, you know, uh, pre-packaged evangelism presentations, and I think that was okay for then, uh, but for me, I hardly ever used them. I mean, you know, I I didn't mention one. I forgot about it until you you said something. I thought, oh, yeah, the way of the master, the one that starts with the Ten Commandments, you know, and, Mm -hmm. you know, that kind of thing. So, uh, I mean, they all have their strengths and weaknesses, and, but really, uh, Preston, I agree with you. I think the key is that just being genuine and authentic in just a organic conversation. I mean, cause when you look at Jesus, that's how it was. I mean, the woman at the well just brought up the conversation, just used the wells an object lesson, you know, and, uh, Nicodemus at night, Nicodemus came to him and he was just talking about being born again and what that means and answering Nicodemus's questions and just having this give and take. And, and so I think it's very important that we sit down with people and have a conversation, start where they are and with what they understand and then move them to where they need to go. And, uh, and every believer can do this at some level. I mean, I mean, this is not just for pastors and missionaries and DOMs. (laughs) so you know -hmm. what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh,
0: Right, and I love yeah, I love ahead. the two illustrations you just or accounts in the Bible. The woman at the well and Nicodemus. I think one of the things that we really need to key in on is being on location, being in a certain location that puts you in the best way possible to have an opportunity to share the gospel. Um, as I'm working with churches, like I'll go to the local convenience store and just ask the clerk behind the counter, like hey, what do you know about this this church over here? That tells me a lot about that church's witness in the community because that person behind the counter probably interacts with more people every day than the church will. And if they don't know that there's a church over here that really loves Jesus and has the answers to most of the world's problems, they're never going to point people that way. And, and so who is that person? How do we begin to engage with them? I think a, a quote, and I think it's been given to a bunch of different people, but it's this one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. That's evangelism in a nutshell. God's done something in my life. I want to tell you, you're in the same position I was, that Jesus is the way. Let's get there. <laughs> so, yeah, again, I'm simple. <laughs> yeah,
1: what, what Once you, what you understand the message, mm-hmm. it's it's very simple. I mean, it's not complicated. Now, the theology behind it and all that kind of stuff, okay, that gets a little complicated, but just the message itself about like Jesus is the only way to salvation. Place your faith in Him for salvation. Yeah, you're a sinner, you know, and you can't yeah. save yourself. I mean, that's all simple stuff, you know, and uh, so simple that even my, so. my, was that was that me or you? No, that was me. Okay, I, I heard a voice somewhere and I thought, well, maybe okay.
0: Yeah, my uh smartwatch thinks I'm talking to it. So <laughs> the evangelism opportunity.
1: You know, when the smartwatch to the Lord, man. You know, that's right. She, she said, Well, how do I get saved? Somebody's <laughs> listening in. All right, so all right, let's shift over and let's talk about uh corporate church, church and evangelism. Um all right, so uh, put your D O M hat on, put your yep. big perspective on hat here. Okay, just in your perspective, kind of give us the the health of churches in 2022. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, that's in light of all the changes that's happened in the last couple of years with the COVID stuff and just everything else. So just kind of, and, and, and kind of give us the big picture on the health of the churches and then hone in on the health of the outreach and evangelism of churches and whatever your conclusions are, why
0: do you think it is the way it is? Thanks for asking that question. Because honestly, (laughs) I think that COVID, COVID has done something in a rapid way that the churches needed it stripped away a lot of the, the the, old metrics, the old things that we have done. Um, and so now we have to deal with who we are, really. Um, we were doing a bunch of programs and we were doing all these different things during worship and during the week and trying to, to be something. It, the vast majority of churches, if the 1950s came back, they are ready for them because that's how that they were structured well what COVID did was really showed them that their community around them is so much different than what the church is set up to do and to reach and i think that's a good thing so what's the health of churches today most of them are plateaued or declining i would probably say most of them are declining as I've done research in my own association, nearly 90% of our churches over the last 30 years are plateaued or declined. 90%. 90%. So a big thing that we're trying to do as a network of churches is come alongside them. Um, whether there's a, a a strong partner church that's, that's healthy, that has some healthy metrics, can they partner with these, these struggling churches around them? But also, what are the tools and the, the things we can bring to them. How does a pastor get healthy? How does a church get back to like the basics of doing church? Um, and so that's where we find ourselves. That's what DOMs across the nation are are really dealing with right now. Is the church is not healthy, and I think that comes down to we have lost contact with our communities. They've changed. Um, we have. So in our area, you were alluding to that. We have rural areas and we have inner city areas and everything in between. And a lot of our rural areas, those churches were planted in the early 1800s, 1820s, 1870s or so. And they're every four or five miles away from each other. Well, that's back when they had circuit riding preachers. (laughs) And when, when there was a group of people that would come And there was enough of them that would travel one Sunday uh, a month to go hear this preacher. They're like, wait a minute. It's easier for him to ride his horse to us than for us to go there. Why don't he come to our, and they just planted all these things. Right. Well, the rural areas, people don't live there anymore. The small family farms, the kids moved off to, to college. They never came back. They've now been sold to larger ones. The people that live in those houses, are just renting them. So the sense of community has changed. And the church is struggling going, well, they used to come to our church. Like they know who our church is, but people nowadays, they don't care what sign is on your church. They just care if you're real or not. And and I think that's where we, we really have to understand is the church has to get back to knowing its community praying for its community but being active in its community um just a history thing the tallest building in your town is the one that has the most influence on your town back in the day it used to be the steeple of the church because it also was the schoolhouse and the meeting place and then industry started to come then it was the grain elevator so commerce Nowadays, it's a bank. It's whatever. Go to almost every town, you'll see that that's the most important thing. I'm sitting in Columbia right now. What's the most important thing here? University of Missouri, because <laughs> that's the tallest buildings. Yep. <laughs> but that's but we got to get back to it, and I think we've the church has turned their back on the community and said, well, they should just come to us. No, we've got to go to them, and that's where the evangelism comes but it takes time and effort to understand who lives in your community and how you you reach them. Uh, Another illustration would be, it's like going fishing, right? And there's a lot of different lures that you use for different types of fish. You could catch them by accident, but if I know that I'm fishing for bass, I'm not using treble hooks and stink bait that's for a catfish (laughs) so I've got to know what what type of fish I'm going for what's the reason I'm going for them and then I'm going to build my tackle box according to that and I think that's the church turned to thinking that the church that the community was there for the church but really it's the church is there for the community That's our mission field. It's always been the mission field. It's not about a a building or a location. It's about the people of God ministering to people who don't know about Jesus. It doesn't matter if you have a building or not. It's about you are here for a specific reason. And that is to reach the community around you.
1: Okay. So, all right, let's say you've been invited to one of these plateau to dying churches that, you know, you mentioned earlier and they, they honestly asked, "Say, okay, what changes do we need to make in order to reach our community? what What would you throw up on the board for them, or have a conversation with about it? Here's here's some things y'all need to consider. What would be some of those things?
0: Yeah, so I've got I got tools to do that, and I I get asked to do that. So one, you need to know your your community. Do an assessment. Um, ask questions, find out who, who's the mayor, who's the police officer uh, and police chief, who's the head of the schools. Go ask them questions like, Hey, what, what's the biggest need that you see in the community? Uh, how can we come alongside or or not even talking about the church? Just what is the, what is the needs? How can, how can I pray for you? So you're engaging and asking the questions, but also understand what's the demographics, what's the age group around you, what is their education level, all these different things, but then do the same type of research in your church. Like who's in your church, what age group, what's the, what's the expectations of it, how long have they been a Christian, how long have they been going to their church, and you'll see that there's a divide, and so how do we begin to close that up? so really understand your community understand who's in your church and then we begin the process of what does it look like to to close the gap what what are the things are you active in these areas um so that's those are some of the real quick areas so
1: all right so okay let's say they do the restate they engage with the community talk to whoever And then they do the demographic study and, you know, and look at the data for their congregation. And so, okay, look at the community, look at the congregation. Wow, there's this huge gap. So uh, I I need, I want you to meddle a little bit. (laughs) Okay. Stir the pot. What would be some, what are some typical adjustments that the church has to make in order to close that gap? Uh, I mean, I know that can change from community to community and culture to culture, but uh, what are some typical things that you see that say, okay, the churches that make this change and this change and this change seem to begin to have more of an impact versus those who don't make these changes? What what would be some of those changes?
0: Um, So one thing, a lot of churches, they they do a bunch of activities or events. You know, they're just grasping at, at straws the reason why we do events like backyard Bible, well, not even backyard Bible clubs, like trunk or treat is not for us to get the community to come to our location. It's about us getting out into the community. And so that's a big thing is you got to shift your mindset to thinking, how do we get our church, our people into the lives of other, other, you know, lost people. Um, But then also thinking the other way, uh, ministry of first impressions is is a big place. Like people will judge you, your church, but also make like, if they're gonna come to your church, they're gonna check you out online. They're gonna drive by your facilities. What do you communicate six days out of the week when you're not there? Does it look presentable? Do you communicate to your church, whether it's online or, or your community? So you got to think of lost people from the point they drive by your church to how you get them in the door, how you get them saved. I know that's very generic, but then discipled and then them reaching their community. You got to think through all those processes. And that's a big, big part that the church, if it's dying, it, it has not thought through that. They're just doing the status quo. They're just surviving they're not thriving they're not thinking about that um and and so that's one thing do a do a facilities assessment is your facility even accessible do do people even know um how to navigate your facility does it make sense children's ministry a lot of these churches like we need young people we need young families well what are you doing every sunday that you are ready for a young family to come. Are your facilities safe? Are they inviting? Do you have someone who won't broke won't break their hip by getting on the floor to actually do children's ministry? So you got to really look at it from that thirty thousand foot view and go, okay. You say you want this, but here's the steps to get there. So we need to engage our community. We need to look at our discipleship process. We probably need to look at our sanctuary. Is it inviting? You know, you have pews in there. The only other place that has pews in the community is the courthouse. Not that you can do stuff, but (laughs) is it totally foreign? Again, is it the 1950s and you haven't done anything to that? Yeah. And so there's some things you can do in physical changes. But one of the biggest things that has to change is how does the pastor communicate the need and the vision and the heart for the community? Because they've got to see it day in and day out. They got to hear about it and they've got to celebrate when there's gospel conversations going on. So every Sunday, I can't wait to get to church because I want to hear about somebody telling somebody else about Jesus. It's, yeah.
1: Yeah, I just want to add that uh, I realize. okay, so our target audience, if you will, for this podcast is, you know, lay people. Mm -hmm. Okay, see, that's pastor talk, is normal people. Okay. Yeah. Non-professional pastor types. Okay. So, um, and, um, I, I just want to add that. Okay. If you've got a good pastor, okay. Now I, I have been pastoring for 25 years, something like that, maybe longer. I don't know. It, it's I'm getting old and it, I just don't care how long. I just know it's been long. Okay. <laughs> so, um uh, the, uh, I will say this, there is a huge benefit and blessing to if you have a pastor who cares about making disciples and reaching new people and is willing to bring about change necessary necessary change not just change Mm -hmm. for the sake of change but necessary change and he's got a vision or the staff has a vision um, uh, get behind that guy and support him now I want to tell you your pastor's not going to be perfect okay he's going to have some weaknesses just like churches do but um if you've got a pastor who has a vision, then man, consider yourself blessed. Okay. Um, and just support that and, and, and go with it. I mean, unless he's obviously if he's doing something, you know, that's not biblical, unethical, illegal, or something or questionable, you know, challenge it. But, uh, but I'm talking about, there are some churches out there that have really just beat up their pastors. Uh, because, you know, he had a vision to reach the community and they just weren't on board. Now that is a conversation for another day.
0: Uh, yeah.
1: but um, uh, but I just wanted to address, you know, some of those folks sitting out there, you know, yeah, but our pastor, you know, he's he's wanting to change this, change that, you know, that kind of stuff. Oh, well, good. I hope he does, <laughs> you know, because yeah. if he's if it's all about reaching new people and making disciples and having the church become deeper and wider at the same time, um uh, I think that's, that's a good thing. Um, I yeah. know. Uh, okay. So you mentioned something a while ago that, uh, I have found true. Okay. Okay. So <clears throat> for those who don't know, I pastor Genesis church. Uh, it's a, I'm going to call it a church plant <laughs> and, uh, cause, uh, it was planted. Uh, there's, that's a whole other story, but, um, uh, and, uh, about six years ago and, um, uh, one of the things that we have noticed, at least in our little community, now we're, we're a small town church, a uh, small town church, meaning, you know, we got 25,000 people or less in our little town. The town I live in actually only has about 12,000. So, um, okay. So we've been doing this for six years and you mentioned about the online presence thing. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. The, <clears throat> I have discovered that when we have somebody new, I'm going to say about 80% of them have already went to our website and watched us online. Okay. And I don't mean just once they'll say, yeah, I've been watching you guys for the last two or three weeks, you know, six weeks. I had one person say 10 weeks and finally decided to to show up. So a couple of uh, weeks ago, uh, well, okay. Okay. A few weeks ago we did this thing, the vision Sunday thing. And uh, casting the vision for 2022, uh, after the service is over. Okay. Now we meet at a Y. And so we're, you know, we're cleaning things up, putting the Y organizing the Y back into a Y. And, uh, and this couple comes in and, uh, they found somebody and, uh, and they came for two at the end of the, they came for two reasons at the end of the service. One was to pick up a packet that I referred to at the beginning of the sermon and to get a hold of the life group information that I referred to at the end of the service. So they were watching online. They'd never been to our church. and They showed up just to get that information. And now they're connected to a life group. Okay. And they've been going. So my, my whole point is, is that um, I think in our culture, churches have to start thinking that way. And Preston, you and I have had this online conversation about online church and how that looks and how it doesn't look and what it might be and all that stuff. And, and, you know, here at Genesis, we're still wrestling with that. And and I, and I say all of that, to say this, that 25 years ago, 30 years ago, when I became a pastor, the culture has changed so much. It's not even the same thing, you know? And, um, and then you go even 20 years beyond that, you know, 50 years ago, because so right now, uh, the church is going to have to figure out what does reaching new people and making disciples look like in 2022 and beyond, because it does not look like how it was in the past. And, but here's the thing, I am convinced that it is all about relationships you can have the programs and you can have the events, but I'm telling you those programs and events, it has to be relational driven because it's in those. If you just have the events and nobody really gets to know anybody or you meet anybody new, have a come, It's not, they're not going to come back. <laughs> they're just, yeah. they're just not, they, they might just, to, because they're desperate and, uh, but it's, uh, it's going to have to be some kind of organic relational thing. And you see Jesus doing that all the time. Um, you know, having conversations with people and not in a hurry with people and um, letting them process through their own spiritual journey and answer their questions on the way. Um, And there are some churches out there figuring it out. I mean, they are figuring it out and they are going to show us how it's done and we need to learn from them.
0: Yeah, so the Great Commission has not changed and it will not change. The gospel has not changed, but the people around us have. The way we do church has, and I think it constantly has to change because as, as people change and as our communities change and shifts and, you know, up and down and, you know, come back around, I mean, just, but the gospel never changes. And again, it's not dependent upon us. We, it, we don't save people, we're just obedient to tell them what God has done in our lives and what he could do in their lives. And in, in the Great Commission still calls us to go, but we can't hide in buildings. We can't hide you know, behind programs and just think, oh, that'll save them or they'll just come to our church naturally. No, you you kind of got to understand if we need an online presence and how do people get connected back to our church because it's about the body of believers. And so, yeah, like the what you were saying is now they're in a life group They're in physical um, relationship with other people, but it started by you providing something online to engage them. I mean, everybody who's listening or watching this podcast, you are doing it online. There's a reason why you are here. So think about your own community, how much other stuff is online. If you're not reaching or have a presence online somehow, Facebook pages, website, that kind of stuff, then you're way behind you're way behind and you can't put your head in the sand
1: yeah um it. so you know there's this debate uh we need to be wrapping this thing up but i mean i could talk about this literally all day long <laughs> <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> and just you know somebody's gonna have to somebody's gonna have to stop me as well because somebody <laughs> stop because i can't stop myself kind of thing. oh but um uh, one of the things that we are struggling, I say struggle, I don't know if that's the right word, but anyway, Genesis, and I, I know I keep referring to Genesis because that's my world when it comes to church, but, um, you know, we're having conversations in the leadership circles uh, about, you know, the whole online church and about how much online, what do we want to have? And what is a New Testament church, you know, and can you really build relationships through online, you know, if you, you know, that, you know, from people who are 800 miles away or, you know, 80 miles away or eight feet away, but they're all online. You know what I'm saying? And we're talking. And my, my answer is yes, I think you can. Uh, because if you're with them every week online, you're having conversations, you're being honest and transparent. You know, there is going to be some level of trust there. Is it different than sitting in the same room? Absolutely. Are there pros and cons? Yes. Um, but, uh, I think that the, where we are as a nation and world is we're going to have, as a church, we're going to have to figure out how to embrace and engage the technology and social media And, uh, because my thought is, because I do hear some pastors, they'll say things like, well, you know what we're through with Facebook, we're through with social media, you know, uh, we're going to force people to come to our building by not being online. I mean, I understand what they're trying to do. I get it. They're passionate about, they want people to be together. I get that. Um, but if you're going to be on mission and go where people are, where they're online. Mm -hmm. Okay. I mean, even my little world, when I go okay, so when I go to the why, you know, I am listening to podcasts. You know, I got a couple of theology podcasts, church leadership stuff, and some podcasts that only preachers care about, and so <laughs> that I listen to. And so, uh, uh, you know, and 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 that's I mean, you know, I'm learning, and I'm I mean, and it's and there are times where it's fairly significant stuff that i'm hearing that impacts me you know what i'm saying but one of the things that i am concerned about and maybe i'll have you back and we can talk about this is this um movement that i'm seeing where uh they don't really say it this way but their actions are saying it i have my bible i can pray i don't need the church Mm. and i can just watch it online you follow what i'm saying yeah okay so there's that there's that struggle that con side of the online stuff that is difficult that we got to figure out and uh, and that's it's one thing to begin there it's another thing to that's where that's where you land mm-hmm. you know cuz i mean i think it's totally fine you know have a bible pray and you're watching church online okay but at some point you you need to be known and to know people, you know what I'm saying, yeah. at a deeper level. And um, uh, but with that said, I'm, I'm chasing a rabbit in my head here. It just kind of came to me. But <laughs> how? With that said, when it comes to evangelism and outreach, obviously there is a huge obstacle called our culture that yeah. we're going to have to learn to engage in. Now I will say this: Jesus was asked a question about his kingdom and his message and his gospel. And, uh, when he said what, what I'm about to say, uh, he was standing in front of the gates and in the gates or the walls around the gates were all these little pigeonhole kind of things. And inside them was these, all, all the statues of the idols, uh, inside that city. And when he was asked about the kingdom, he said, he pointed to the gates in the context of where he said it. And he said, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And he was talking about all the other religions, all that culture, all that stuff. He said the gates of Hades, gates of hell, kingdom of darkness is not going to be able to prevail against it. So with that said, the church will win because God wins. Okay. And, um, but we don't, I don't want to make it difficult. Uh, I want to be a part of what God is doing, and I want churches to be a part, and I want individual Christians to be a part, and I'm convinced that what he is doing, he is reaching people. (laughs) He is saving people. He's on mission. He's not abandoned that mission, and neither have we, but as humans, uh, we need to discover what does that look like in 2022 and beyond, and, um, man, I feel like we just left a lot of stuff on the table and (laughs) that, uh, yeah, I felt like we were just getting, for me, just getting started, man. But, uh, we have got to wrap this up. It's been an hour. And for those who are listening, if you stayed this long in this podcast, uh, congratulations. Absolutely. (laughs) And uh most of my podcasts, by the way, I uh, listen to they are like an hour to an hour and a half long. And so what I'll do is I'll go to the while, listen to the first half, you know, when I work it out, then I listen to the second half when I go back. And uh, and I don't know if people do that, but uh if they're like me, it's like okay, first half wasn't that great, I'll just go to the next podcast. <laughs> and so yep. but uh, uh but this whole evangelism thing is very important. I hope this has been helpful for uh you guys listening and uh regarding your individual evangelism and maybe making it more of a priority for you. Uh talk to your pastor about it, talk to uh your life group or or other Christians. Uh begin engaging, having conversations, ask the tough questions about your personal evangelism and about your, you know, you know, if you're a leader in church, about your church and how it can become much more evangelistic and reaching the community. And, and, And be honest with you, change whatever you need to change. That's just, just yep. bottom line individually or as a church change it, you know, you know, uh, it's worth the cost. It's worth the price. Uh, we're talking about reaching people for Christ. So, well, Preston, it's been great to have you on board, uh, today and, uh, man, uh, I hope we'll have you back, uh, cause, uh, you are a resource you're, uh, And you got a lot of information up in that head of yours. (laughs) (laughs) Try to. Yeah. And uh, well, until next time, man, we appreciate you being on our podcast today.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for listening. This has been Conversations. If you enjoyed this podcast, we'd love for you to click subscribe and leave us a great review. And to find out more about Genesis Church, please visit www.genesisbegins.com.